If there was ever a time that the church needed clear biblical counsel, it's today. There's a lot of confusion. The pastors are hesitant to preach to the twin evils of our day of abortion and sexual perversion. Enter Eric Metaxas and the book Letter to the American Church. We desperately need this book. Welcome to another edition of Generations Radio. I'm Adam McManus, in for Kevin Swanson. A quick introduction, Eric Metaxas is the number one New York Times bestseller of Is Atheism Dead? Fish Out of Water? Martin Luther? If You Can Keep It? Bonhoeffer? Amazing Grace and Miracles. He's written more than 30 children's books, and Metaxas has appeared as a cultural commentator on CNN, Fox News, and even the hideously liberal MSNBC. (laughs) They've got a good dose of truth when Eric's on there. He's the host of the Eric Metaxas Show, a nationally syndicated daily radio show heard on 300 outlets nationwide. Eric, you talk a lot about the German church in the 1930s in your book, Letter to the American Church, in relation to today's religious political climate in your book. What parallels do you see, and why is Germany the most relevant example? The parallels are astonishing, and it's why I had to write this book, because I said, Knowing what I know, having written the book on Bonhoeffer, being familiar with what happened in Germany in the 30s, I see such clear parallels with the American church today. I said, I've absolutely got to write this book. First of all, you have a Christian nation that is secure in its cultural Christianity that cannot even begin to imagine the evil that lies ahead and is therefore absolutely slow in seeing what is happening, and where the silence of the church is leading. In other words, the German church could see bad things, but they thought, you know what, it's not our role to speak up. We're not supposed to be political. Romans 13, they had all exactly the same excuses that American Christian leaders have today in being quiet and saying that that's not our lane. And what followed because of their silence is one of the most unimaginable horrors in history. And I said, it's exactly what's happening here because you have the same excuses. When we look back, we think, my goodness, why were the German pastors silent? What was it that blinded them? And so I mentioned the complacency. They felt like, well, this is Germany. It's a Christian nation. Uh, Luther was German and we are all Lutherans. And they simply couldn't imagine what lay ahead. So there was some complacency. Some of it was fear-based. They said, well, we don't want to be political. We don't want to get in trouble with the National Socialists. They can come down pretty hard on people. They're going to cancel you. They wouldn't have used the term. But it was that same kind of mixture of theological confusion, like we're not supposed to be political, with fear. Bonhoeffer tried to wake them up and try to get them to understand you have a duty to speak up. It's not biblical theology if you say we're going to be silent in the face of evil and we're just going to quote-unquote preach the gospel. No, no, no. You must speak up. The silence of the American church with regard to every kind of evil being unleashed, and really the same principal excuse is, oh, we're not supposed to be political. We're going to avoid that. It is theological nonsense. We are called by God to speak truth. We're not only supposed to preach the gospel, we're supposed to speak truth. When we see injustice, we're supposed to be the loudest, boldest voices. And the German church failed to get that, and the results were a nightmare. 
And I believe that is exactly what is happening now. So I wrote this book, Letter to the American Church, to warn those who are being silent, if you do not begin to understand you have a duty before God to speak up, that's what the role of the church is, to be the conscience of the nation. John the Baptist confronted Herod. Paul spoke out on Mars Hill. I mean, there are lots of biblical examples. Samson was a political leader himself. How do the Christians in America turn a blind eye, and the pastors in particular, to all of these biblical characters who either held civil office or confronted those in the civil government? It's willful blindness. There are people who simply don't want to see that they have a duty to speak up. They have a duty to be courageous. That's God's mandate. It is biblical. In my book, Letter to the American Church, I quote Bonhoeffer quite a bit because he saw these things and he was trying to get the other German pastors to see them. There was a willful blindness. They didn't want to think we have to stick our necks out. We have to be courageous. We have to stand against the governmental authority. So it was very convenient for them to say, oh, Romans 13, it's very clear. Luther was big on Romans 13. We don't argue with the government. We don't speak truth to power. And Bonhoeffer was trying to get them to see you must do that. So what's the proper understanding of Romans 13 then? When Paul is saying, pay attention to the governmental authorities, you know, you could almost say like, hey, if a cop pulls you over, be respectful. The government is put there to protect you. Don't be disdainful of the governmental authorities. The rest of scripture makes it clear that if I see evil happening, God calls on his people to speak truth and to condemn evil. I mean, in the book, I write a lot about Bonhoeffer and William Wilberforce. Wilberforce, because of his Christian faith, saw that the slave trade was an abomination and that because of his Christian faith, he must speak against it and do what he could to defeat the wickedness of the slave trade. But there were people in Wilberforce's day who said, "Uh, uh, no, 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 you're mixing faith and politics. Keep them separate. And Wilberforce said, well, I'm sorry, I cannot keep them separate. God does not keep them separate. When I see (laughs) evil that is harming human beings, I am going to speak up. And if you choose to say, oh, it's mere politics, that's on you. My job is to speak what God wants to speak. And there are many today, and there were many in Bonhoeffer's day, that said, no, 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 we can't be political. That's preposterous. When you see evil happening, if you do not speak against it, God will judge you. And you know, we in America today, we've been deputized by God because we have freedom. We, the people, we are the governing authority. We are the ones that elect our leaders. So the idea that we don't have a voice, that we just have to go along with whatever we're told to do, doesn't make any sense. So if people are looking back to the first century when Paul wrote Romans 13, it's a completely different context. They were under the Roman yoke. They had zero political power, zero voice. Today, we have the ability to change our laws. We have the ability to abolish Roe v. Wade. We have the ability to abolish slavery in this nation. We are in a place where God looks to us to be change agents. Pastors who are being silent are missing it. Our guest is Eric Metaxas, author of Letter to the American Church. What were some significant events in America's history that point to our regression toward anti-Christian thought? 1954, Lyndon Johnson, who was as corrupt a politician and a power broker as we ever had in the United States Senate, and that's saying a lot, (laughs) uh, he put forward something called the Johnson Amendment because he didn't like 
what pastors were saying about him. He said, okay, we are going to take away your tax-exempt status if you say anything political from the pulpit. And the churches meekly allowed this to happen. They should have been up in arms and said, you can drop dead. We are in America. We have free speech. We will say whatever we want to say. And by the way, we are Christians. We will never be silenced by the government. You can threaten us however you like. It's wrong on every level, but we're not going to submit to that nonsense. You can't tell us whether we're being political or not. That's none of your business. We're going to speak the truth as we see it. We're going to fear God, and we're going to worry about what God thinks about what we say. Instead of doing that, they kind of went along with it, and it became part of American Christian culture. Oh, we don't do politics from the pulpit. You think, wow, if Stalin was running for president or Senate, would it be unbiblical to say from the pulpit, don't vote for Joseph Stalin? It becomes preposterous. This idea that we could avoid politics is just crazy. I mean, when you're talking about the unborn, sexuality, marriage, anything you talk about, somebody is going to disagree with you and they're going to say, oh, oh, you're being political. So this was simply used to silence the voice of God, to silence the voice of God's prophets and preachers, and the church went along with it and became part of cultural Christianity. And so we have, in a sense, boxed ourselves out. We've censored ourselves over the decades, and it's gotten worse and worse. So today, you have a lot of pastors who actually believe it's almost as though they think the Bible says we're not supposed to be political, and it's nonsense, and it has led us to where we are, and we've never, ever had a moment that required us to speak on these things more than it does now. I mean, it's not 1985. If Tip O'Neill was the Democratic Party, I can see people saying, well, you know, there's something to be said on both sides. But we are now dealing with cultural Marxism, with atheistic worldview, with transgender madness. If the Christian leaders do not speak against this, it is silence in the face of evil, no different than when they refused to speak against the Nazis in the early 1930s. And we saw exactly what happened as a result of their silence. I think of Acts 529, in which Peter says, we would rather obey God than man. Eric Metaxas, our guest today on Generations Radio, the author of a brand new book, Letter to the American Church. I'm Adam McManus, and for Kevin Swanson, we'll be right back. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. Welcome back to Generations Radio. I'm Adam McManus, in for Kevin Swanson, as I continue my conversation now with Eric Metaxas, Christian radio talk show host and author. He's got a brand new book out called Letter to the American Church, 
in which he draws startling parallels between the German church during the Nazi era and the American church today. Speaking of the need for pastors to speak out, Eric, you name Andy Stanley in Georgia as a pastor that has missed the biblical calling to speak to the issues of the day. Elaborate on what you said on Pastor Stanley. What other pastors would you name who have really missed the boat on biblical adherence to clarity from the pulpit? These could be good guys. In other words, I'm not saying that Andy Stanley is an evil person, but what he writes about in his book on the subject, which came out some months ago, it's precisely the opposite of what I say in my book. It will appeal to people because people say, well, I don't want to be political and I want someone to give me some biblical reasons, you know, to keep my mouth shut. So the case he makes, it doesn't begin to stand up. But the point is, he's a popular pastor. It's exhorting people to be silent in the face of evil, because what it's doing is calling any kind of activism, any kind of politicking. It says, oh, that's just power mongering. It's got nothing to do with the gospel, which is nonsense. I mean, if if I see corruption and I don't speak against it, that's not culture warring. That is me as a Christian calling out evil and saying we have to work against corruption. We have to work against evil things like the slave trade or transgender ideology affecting children. Andy Stanley presents this false model and says we're not supposed to take sides on these issues. It's very deceptive. But the most upsetting thing to me was when I looked on the Amazon page for the book, I saw a big happy endorsement from Jim Daly of Focus on the Family. And I thought, Jim Daly is a good guy. Jim Daly is someone that I know. I mention that because good people are getting this wrong. This is not about demonizing people, okay? I think Jim Daly is a good guy. I said, this is just a nightmare that he would endorse this, and people need to make him understand this is not biblical. And not only is it not biblical, but in the 1930s, it led to hell on earth and the murder of millions. And the silence of the church in the face of evil today is leading to something similar. And the question is, will we see it? Will we repent? And will we wake up? You're referencing Andy Stanley's new book entitled, Not In It to Win It, Why Choosing Sides Sidelines the Church. Any other pastors in particular that you have a beef with? I don't really have a beef with any of these folks. I think that the bottom line is I think they're getting it wrong, and it's a big deal to get this wrong. I mentioned Tim Keller. I love Tim Keller. I respect Tim Keller. But on this issue, I would simply say he's getting it wrong. And in fact, in the book, I quote an article in First Things magazine that really puts it better than I could. It basically explains that Tim Keller's third way, this idea that we can avoid politics, we're not going to be left, we're not going to be right, we're going to be for the gospel, that was perfectly apt 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But things have changed so dramatically that what was brilliantly correct 20 years ago is no longer Today, you're not dealing with Tip O'Neill and Sam Nunn. You're dealing with uh, cultural Marxists. You have the president of the United States advocating for transgender lunacy that's going to harm children. If you don't speak against this because you're afraid of being political, you're afraid of wrinkling the nose of some Democrat in your congregation, you are allowing a fear of man to dictate what you say and don't say. And I think that a lot of these pastors that don't see that really need to have it pointed out to them that things have changed so dramatically that we are now complicit in the evil if we don't speak against it. It's no longer an issue of, oh, I don't want to be political. You can't avoid being political 
when the, the left has lurched toward critical race theory and cultural Marxism and every kind of madness to not speak against these things. We are now complicit in the evil because God looks to his church to speak clearly on all of these issues. Erwin Lutzer, pastor emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago, says of Eric Metaxas's book, Letter to the American Church, this book is like a bucket of cold water thrown into the face of a sleeping church. Eric, how would you define religious liberty and how has the term been misinterpreted over time? In this country, we've been so blessed by religious liberty that we've really never had to think about it. We've really had such freedom that we've never really had to think about what would it look like if people in power tried to silence the church the way they did in the Nazi era or in communist countries around the world. We've let our understanding of it atrophy. So when religious liberty has been challenged and people begin to silence the church, a lot of Christians have said, well, what do we know? We're just supposed to stick to theology. To live out your faith is the point of faith, not just to have some ideas in your head that maybe on a Sunday morning they're relevant in church. We're supposed to take our faith out of Sunday morning into the rest of our lives. That is our mandate from God, and it is protected by religious liberty in the Constitution. We are allowed to exercise our faith. But many Christians have misunderstood this to think that, well, I have freedom of worship. I'll worship on Sunday morning, but the rest of the world, the rest of my life, that's somehow secular. That is a complete misunderstanding of the separation of church and state, complete misunderstanding of religious liberty, complete misunderstanding of the Founders' vision The founders knew that unless Christians robustly lived out their faith, we could never have America. We could never have liberty. Religious liberty is at the heart of everything, and I think a lot of Christians and Christian leaders and pastors don't understand that God commands us to live out our faith. And as soon as the government tries to stop that, to silence us, it's an abrogation of something guaranteed in the Constitution called religious liberty. The hour is very late. If Christian leaders don't wake up and understand that we're obligated to live out our faith and to speak against the evil that we see, we are already being judged and will continue to be judged in the way the German church was judged. What happened there was such a nightmare. I think God gives it to us as a warning that this is going to happen and is happening in America unless the American church behaved differently from the German church at that time. You mentioned that the Democrat Party of old that was more moderate, which was not as singularly focused on these radical ideas of today, represented by Tip O'Neill, Sam Nunn, has really gone away. Today, the Democrat Party, especially the party platform, has really become a manifesto of evil. What do you say to the Christian who votes for a Democratic candidate in today's day and age in light of the party's platform being a manifesto of evil? advocating for unrestrained abortion and unrestrained sexual perversion. I know this is going to be between people and God. When you're participating with evil, you may be perfectly ignorant of it. So I'll leave it to God to judge. The title of the book is Letter to the American Church, but I was going to title it Faith Without Works is Dead. You have to live out your faith. And living out your faith means voting for people 
who are going to be as close to God's values as you think. So you have a responsibility. Bonhoeffer talks about this, our responsibility that we have to take these things seriously. So when somebody either doesn't vote or votes for a candidate that believes abortion is a good thing until the ninth month, you wonder, how do you not fear God if you're going to do something like that? But there are many Christians, they don't seem to be thinking about this. God expects us to take this seriously. Why? Because how you vote affects human beings. And when you elect candidates that are against everything Scripture says, it's becoming more and more and more radical. It's a atheist, Marxist worldview that has come into the Democratic Party. If you don't stand against that with everything you have, how is God not going to judge us? I simply don't know how you can live with yourself if you understand the situation. And I think there's some people who understand it. I think there are other people that don't. Part of the reason I wrote this book is to say to them, you need to think about this. We are at as crucial a moment we could possibly have. This is an existential crisis in the United States of America. We can cease to exist as a free people if the church does not speak up. And the Lord will hold the church accountable. Those who do not speak up will be held accountable. Judgment has come and it is coming. God has given us this glorious opportunity to represent him in the public square. So if we don't understand that, we're missing the very reason we're here, to live out our faith and to do everything we can, not just politically, but in every single sphere, to live out our faith. And this idea that my faith is a private thing, that it's just a theological thing, it's just in my head, that is nonsense. That's not the biblical definition of faith. And I write about that extensively in Letter to the American Church. We've got to understand faith without works is dead. If you're not living out your faith, you probably don't have faith, and that should scare people. How should Christians, Eric, respond to government oppression and religious persecution like that of the Uyghur Muslims in China? God has given us tremendous freedom in this country to use it not just to preserve our own freedom, but to be a voice for those who don't have it around the world. America has stood strong to preserve the freedoms of people around the world. We've got tremendous financial power in this country. We can dictate to countries like China how they treat people if we use our power wisely. When we pretend that there's no difference between us and China, there are Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps being murdered and persecuted for their Muslim faith. God commands us to love them. The Marxist, authoritarian, atheistic evil around the world has come to America, and it's an opportunity for us to really think through, do we understand that communism is at war with God. It's not just a different political system. It's its own religion. It is at war with God and God's purposes. It has come to this nation in the form of critical race theory, socialist ideas, deconstructing God's ideas through transgender and other kinds of things. These things are at war with God. So we can't be neutral. I'm here to say, no, it's not God's will that you be neutral. George Barna has documented that out of the 384,000 pastors, only about 2.8% are actually speaking to the twin evils of our day of abortion and sexual perversion. What's the answer to how we can fix this? Do we need to reform our seminaries? I wrote this book hoping people would give it to their pastor who might be persuaded. If you have a pastor that's been 
fearful or confused. I've written it in a loving way. It's not a nasty screed. It's meant to, in a moderate, kind way, try to help people understand what they've been missing. But if you are at a church where they refuse to deal with this, I would say you've got to find another church. You cannot be supporting a church that is complicit in the destruction of this nation. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. There are a lot of pastors being silent. What it did in Germany devastated that nation and led to things that are just too horrible even to think about. If you're going to a church that's kind of just playing this game and saying, well, we don't want to get into that, I would strongly say you need to find another church. All the pastors that are inviting me to their churches in this day and age, they're the courageous ones, and their churches are exploding in numbers, giving is exploding, and all the the folks that are being timid, they're having a hard time keeping their doors open. That's something that God is doing right now. If we don't live out our faith, God knows we never had any faith in the first place. Maybe the way you live proves that you don't believe what you claim to believe. That's a chilling thing. I hope you've enjoyed my conversation with Eric Metaxas, Christian radio talk show host and author. He's heard on hundreds of radio stations across the country to find the radio station near you or to listen to him online. Go to metaxastalk.com, M-E-T-A-X-A-S, metaxastalk.com. And wherever you buy your books, get a copy of Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. I'd love to hear your feedback today about today's conversation. What specifically stood out to you? Send me an email to adam at theworldview.com. That's adam at theworldview.com. I'm Adam McManus, in for Kevin Swanson, as we lay down a vision for the next generation.